Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We've been in a series called Bless You, how to give and receive a real blessing. Um, and, and we've been talking about for the past few weeks, if you haven't been here, how God essentially wants to bless us in our lives and wants to equip us to be able to bless other people. Um, we, uh, the, the theme uh, of blessings is all throughout Scripture, starting all the way back in Genesis and working all the way through uh, the New Testament and, and texts that are very applicable to us today. Um, and perhaps most clearly, blessing um, as kind of an umbrella concept is laid out to Abraham in Genesis when God tells Abraham that he's going to bless him and that Abraham will then be equipped to go out and to bless the nations. Uh, this is ratified in the New Testament, right? That happens all the way back in Genesis, thousands of years ago. And then uh, it, it's ratified in Jesus and for those who believe in Jesus. And we see this uh, covenant of blessing uh, uh, portrayed in Galatians uh, when Paul, after Christ, says he, meaning Christ, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So he's saying this promise of blessing was given to Abraham all the way back then, but Jesus came so that which is a pretty big phrase, right? You're, it's like, Jesus came, why? Well, here's the answer. In large part, so that we can participate in the blessing that God promised Abraham all the way back in the day, so that he can bless us in our relationship with God, and then that we can also go out and bless other people. Uh, the bless, this blessing that we're talking about is kind of most fundamentally to live in a harmonious relationship with God in his world, in his creation. And this harmonious uh, uh, relationship entails all different kinds of blessings, right? We're, phys- we're, we're made in a, as physical beings and spiritual beings. He wants physical blessings for us. He wants spiritual blessings for us. He wants us to have purpose, to have meaning, um, for, for us to be blessed with, with uh, life-giving vocations or whatever the different kinds of things might be, material goods, if properly understood and stewarded, etc. God wants to bless us holistically because he made us in this multifaceted world and he wants us to live in it in, uh, in a desirous kind of way. However, we know that oftentimes we don't receive the blessings that we ask for, or it seems like it. Many times we'll pray for something or we have a desire for our future and we don't necessarily see it come to pass. I think that this is very well uh, exemplified in the hopes and dreams in young kids when they're in school. I don't know if you guys ever did this, but I certainly did. When you're a kid and in your classroom, the teacher uh, makes, makes you do something in your scribbled like five-year-old handwriting saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Anyone ever do those before? Well, I found some fun ones that I think you will enjoy. Um, the first one here, uh, this is a blessing I don't think God will fulfill. It says, when I grow up, I will one day be a potato. <laughs> I don't know if God's going to make that way. I guess he could, maybe. The second one, when I grow up, I'll succeed in herpetology, which is a study of amphibians. I will have a wife and kids, and I will breed dragons. <laughs> Ambitious. This one might be even more ambitious. When I grow up, I'll get a girlfriend, I'll kiss her, fair enough, good luck with that, and I will rule the world. (laughs) And then 
the last one, one of my favorites. When I grow up, I will be a mailbox. <laughs> Suffice it to say, all the desires we have, God doesn't necessarily fulfill. Another example is when I would write these things, I would always put that I wanted to be a baseball player. Well, that didn't exactly happen. Now I just pray to be blessed as an average men's church league softball shortstop, and that's about the height of my blessings go now. From MLB player to church league softball. I don't know where, I don't know where God missed the mark and blessing in my life in that kind of way. Um, but more seriously speaking, there are real desires way more important desires than all of these that are less playful, that can be serious to our lives, hopes, dreams that we have, things that we're hoping to receive, yet we don't feel like God has shown us that he's going to fulfill it. And in another sense, uh, we've possibly passed the timeline in which that thing could have been fulfilled in our lives and we've moved on to something new. But we're left wondering why they weren't fulfilled and what it means for our future. And I've been left in this place asking God frequently uh, why he wants to bless me or why scripture promises blessings of things that I'm hoping for and desiring and praying for, yet I'm left without them being fulfilled. In order to, to get at this, this question, I think it's good to look at a writing of Paul in the book of Romans where he's acknowledging the present suffering that we experience in this world uh, and Paul was very, very well acquainted with suffering. Paul uh, was, was beat and mocked for his faith. He was put in jail, all this different kind of stuff, um, and he might have, might have been martyred at the end of his life. He was facing great affliction, great suffering, things that I'm sure that he fundamentally did not wish that he had to face, yet he entered into them, and he gives uh, what I think is a great uh, framework in which to think about this in our current uh, phase of unfulfilled blessings. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So he's saying this present age that we're in and the sufferings that we experience are different from it, actually pales in comparison to this future hope that we have when Jesus, who already came once and began his work in the world, will come back and make everything right. So if we look at sufferings as kind of an, uh, as a synonym for unfulfilled blessings, another way to put that, right? None of us are hoping for suffering, and many times we want blessings so we can avoid those kinds of things, or we can get something that we want but we presently are still suffering with certain unfulfillment in our lives. He goes on, for the creation, this world in its current state and age waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. The hope that is seen is no hope at all, who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There's a lot to be unpacked there, but to, to put it very simply, what Paul, I believe, is essentially saying is that we're in between the beginning of the blessing coming through Jesus when he came to this world and the ultimate consummation of the full blessing coming to all of creation where it's groans and it's eager expectations to be relieved from the suffering that it was subjected to, to ultimately be enacted in Christ. 
And so there's this era of time where there's no Jesus, right? He hasn't come, and there's probably, there's less hope. They're looking for Jesus to come. Jesus finally comes, and he, and he, and he, he arrives in the world, and we are given hope, and the hope that we are given when we have faith in him is marked by the beginning blessing, the, the arrival of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is a signal of the future. It's called the first fruits of the Spirit, the beginning of the, of, of the relationship that we have with the Spirit and the blessings, the things that the Spirit works out in us. The first fruits is like a down payment. It's like, hey, I'm going to give you this future, but I'm going to give you a little glimpse of it right now to prove to you that I'm going to give you the full thing in the future. So right now, we are still in the stages of the groaning and suffering of the world that was caused in large part by our sin, by our rebellion against God, by uh, idolizing other things than God and putting other things before God. And therefore, the trajectory of the world of creation as God made it went off track as a consequence of our free will actions. And so we are experiencing the necessary consequences of our free decisions, but God simultaneously is entering into our world and our space and still blessing us when we don't deserve it and working out the world, considering our free decisions in order to ultimately bring it to the end that he's already promised us. So we're in this in-between place. We have the blessings of the Spirit. God is giving us undeserved grace. That the breath in our lungs, we do not deserve. We did not create ourselves. We did not begin the process of, of us existing. God created that and sustained that. We have immense blessings right now, but we're still in this in-between space where God is working out in the crazy matrix of his sovereign will of, of making decisions to know what will get us to the wanted end, the great end that God has, while also making sure that we are growing to that completion, to the place of who we're supposed to be. See, God cares much more in this process about us growing in our relationship with him and taking part in his plan to redeem the world than he does necessarily about our superficial happiness or wants and things like that. And so we have made enough of the mistakes to where the, one of the biggest ways that we grow and become bigger human beings and better human beings is by experiencing the consequences of our actions, right? If God answered me in the way I wanted the hundred times that, and I'm sure many of you have been in these moments, where you've probably done something a little bit dumb and you're praying to God, if just this one time you answer this prayer and don't make me have to experience the consequence of the stupid thing that I did, if he answered it every single time, then I probably never would have learned from the stupid things that I did, right? So we grow through experiencing the negative consequences of the sinfulness of the world. Because what I think is that in part, when we get to eternity, we'll have so seen the negative consequences of sin and so seen the purity of the face of God that no longer will we want to do those bad things that we experience the consequences of. So a lot, so 
what's God doing? The world's messed up. He sent Jesus. We have incredible grace and blessing through him. But we're still in this phase where we're learning and growing. It's still in a messed up world. And guess what? We're still messed up and do a whole bunch of things that we shouldn't do. And working towards this goal, and that's the most important thing. And ultimately, a lot of times, we want to have just the easiest path with the least resistance and the least suffering and all this kind of stuff along the way. Those are the things we want. But I think that a lot of the times, God doesn't give us what we want because what we want isn't what we need. A lot of the times we need God to do certain things in our lives that help us to bring us to the fullest version of of ourselves, or as scripture says, to conform us to the image of God, to become more reflective of him in the world. And oftentimes what we want doesn't help us get towards where we ultimately need to be. Sometimes I think that we may ask for, for, for things that we want, expecting that it's what God wants for us, but ultimately realizing that God wants the best for each of us, but he knows what's actually best for each of us, and that we might not always know what's best for each of us. And so that sometimes we're praying to God for things that we would like in our lives, but he might not answer them because it's not according to his will, his sovereign will of knowing how to get to the future goal that he has in mind. For instance, in 1 John, there's a scripture, uh, it says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We can have a blessing in sight for our lives, but it might not be precisely according to the will of God, and God knows that it's not best for you if he gives you that thing. For instance, another story from Paul when he's writing to the church in in Corinth. Uh, The church of Corinth was very messed up, very kind of messed up group of people, people who, who, who were Christ followers nonetheless, but had a whole bunch of issues. And he's kind of like humbling them and putting them in, in, in their place. And he's like, look, you guys just need to relax, right? Like, take my advice, right? God's using me in a special kind of way. And he's basically gives like a laundry list of all the incredible things he has done in the faith um, uh, and the way that he's lived out a life for God. And then, uh, and it can come across as boastfulness, but he says, I'm not even boasting, but he says, even if I should choose to boast about this laundry list, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But if I refrain, so no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. So he's saying, I could boast about these things and it wouldn't even matter because they'd all be true. I wouldn't be lying. All these things has happened. Look at how God has used me. And then he says, therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited about all these incredible things that I have done, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How incredible. Paul, the Apostle Paul, 
The guy who walks around Ephesus and heals like every single person he touches. The guy who's in prison and God breaks him out of prison miraculously. The guy who's experienced his vision of God. The guy who, all these incredible things, the list of all of what God has done for him. And he has a thorn in his flesh. And he pleads with God and God goes, I know what you want, but I also know what you need. And so the thorn in the flesh, what is the thorn in the flesh? No one really knows exactly. Um, what's clear is that it's something that he was greatly afflicted with that tormented him. Some people think it might have been a physical illness. Perhaps it was uh, blindness uh, as, he, as he grew in his age that he was experiencing blindness. Some people think it was malaria. Some people think it might have been some other kind of physical ailment. Some people think that it might have been a temptation that he had that God didn't take away. Some people think that it might have been someone who was formerly in the church who left the church and was tormenting him and other believers from afar. Nonetheless, here you sit with Paul, who's asked God for so many things and he's delivered and God goes, I know that you are literally, you're continuing to knock on the door and plead for something. And it's something that's not necessarily bad, right? It's not bad to pray for the affliction to go away. And he goes, I, I think this is what, what God says to us in these moments. When you're asking for something that's good, he goes, I so badly wish that this affliction can be taken away. But in the messed upness in the bad state of this world, this is the best way to go about getting to the glory that I have for all of you. So we can pray for good things to come about, things that are not bad, that aren't, that aren't, they aren't perverted desires or something like that. They aren't like, like missing the mark in terms of what God wants for us, right? It's not bad to pray for these kinds of things, but God knows the way to get where we all want to go, and he's helping us along that path. So we can trust him. So I think that can help us understand when we're praying for good things to trust God when we don't get them. But then there's also something that's good to note is that sometimes we might be praying for things that we want, but it's really coming from a bad place. I've never experienced this personally. Just kidding. In James, there's, I think it's James 4. I don't have the scripture up here, but um, uh, there's a scripture that says, you have not because you ask not. The rest of those next two verses essentially say, and when you ask, you don't get it because it's coming from a place of covetousness. So people were still asking for things, but God's going, like, there are obviously bad things we can ask for, right? I could ask God for something that's, that's, that's coming from a place of, of some bad desire, and God's going, well, this isn't, obviously isn't according to my will. I would just be satiating. I would be your tool for you getting whatever you wanted, and that's not how it particularly works. So, a couple of ways in which we can see, why do we not always get what we want? Ultimately, God is helping us to go where we want to go, even if we don't know where he's taking us yet though we have a glimpse of it, we have a certain vision of it. And sometimes we can ask for good things that aren't a part of it, and sometimes we can ask for bad things that definitely aren't a part of it. And then we go, what in the world do we pray for? Well, then what do we do? Like, what, like what's the process of going uh, uh, about seeking out the blessings of God, right? God wants to bless us, now what am I supposed to do? Because there could be good things and bad things, and how, how am I supposed to know what he's actually going to, to grant me or to bless me with? See, so, yeah, 
I believe that a big part of this, this isn't the whole picture, but a big part of this, to give us some hope in this, is that I think we can go through a process of assessing what God's will is for our lives and what the blessings are that he has for us. You see, God right now knows the future plan. He knows your life. He knows where you are going and where you should be going. And I believe that we can go through a process of assessing what blessings he has for us. And that God can give give us a vision of those blessings so that we can confidently see the things that, that we believe that he has told us that he will give us. For instance, in Romans 8, Uh, It reads, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, we're in this place of, of suffering and experience, and it's like half the time we don't even know what to pray for. It, but we all have the Holy Spirit who can take our wordless groans, and the Spirit knows the mind of the Father who knows what blessings he has for us, so that as we pray, it's almost like the Holy Spirit, it's like the Rosetta Stone of God's mind, and it brings down the translation from heaven. And it can help to give us an understanding. It takes our kind of befuddled desires and wants and all that stuff and can make it right and help us to receive from God what he has for us in this life so that we can begin to not just randomly desire, but to have guidance in knowing what we should seek after. Now, I believe that it, there would be a lot of times that we don't know, right? What, what exactly am I supposed to ask for and all that kind of stuff. And in that sense, scripture seems to, seems to indicate, just ask, 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 right? He, just, he asks you to keep continue asking him. But throughout that process, I think it's incredibly important to humbly ask, knowing that God might change your mind about what you're asking for and correct you and go, hey, that's not the direction I'm taking you. I'm taking you this way. I know in, uh, in my own life, uh, there's been phases where um, I really wanted, I had great desires for something, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't coming from like the covetousness place, right, of James 4, that it was really the desire of God so that I could then, in more confidence, pray God, pray to, to God to make those things happen. And so uh, Amanda and I were, were going through this kind of a process of, of assessing blessings that we thought God had for us. And, um, and we, we spent a week uh, fasting in some form and praying together and reading scripture, all that sort of stuff. And then I went also to a few of my friends and asked them to pray very specifically about this thing for that week and then come, and then we would come together and talk about those things, right? I'm trying to get a sense of what, what is the will of God? What is the mind of God? So then I can then confidently pray in his name for these things to come to pass because I think he's promised me these things. Well, at the end of this week, we all felt like God had told us the same thing. 
right? We all felt like, like God had given us a glimpse of the blessing that he had for us. And what that then allows us to do is to, is to more freely go and seek after those things. I think that God wants to give us his mind as we ask for it, and that he will, as we need, reveal what he needs to us so that we can enter into that new future, the new blessing that he has for us. So again, this makes it feel like it's all wrapped up in a box. It's like, well, just pray for this and God will give you, you know, your there's no particular formula to it, right? I think this is a, a, a great process to where we can become confident in the blessings of God. But also, there's going to be the very difficult, gray, ambiguous phases of life where God's, you're, you're, you're being challenged to continue to have trust and faith in God, and you have to ask, 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 and pray that God can work through the muddled thing that is our desires and how do all those work out, and trust that the Holy Spirit will help to bring those to God and then to help us be confident in what we're moving towards. But... Where that's, I feel like God has revealed things in my future, at least, and can do that. As I continue to pray about those kinds of things, I also feel like God shows me the blessings that I want that are not for me in this life. It's as if I pray the Holy Spirit will reveal to me even though I'm saying I desire this thing, He's saying there are good things that I want or that you want, but that I will not give you. So just as paths are revealed, it's paths that I want that are closed off. And my desire for them still might last, but I know that that's not the path in which I'm supposed to take. Here's kind of a a very simple example here as as, uh, we start to, to move towards an end, and I hope that this helps to provide a kind of hope and the difficulty of what all of this is. Um, Amanda and I are very like uh, uh, aesthetically inclined, to put it that way, trying to put it in a very sophisticated way. We're very aesthetically inclined. We like pretty things, basically. <laughs> we like beauty and we like art and we like the shape of a thing and the color and the how was it made and what's the process and, and, uh, and, Basically, I'm extremely materialistic. Uh, it's an issue in my life. No, but, um, but it's a very bad thing to say in church, right? I like things. But in the sense that I look at it, and from what I've studied in scripture and philosophy and theology, etc., things are good, right? God made a beautiful world. We just have to enjoy it in the right way. And so, look, oh my gosh, I could see the most beautiful fountain pen with a gold-tipped nib, and it's like a beautiful leather patterning, like, ho, ho, ho. It's some bad stuff for me, right? So, so that's, that's how we, that, but, but we appreciate it in terms of the beauty of the thing, right? Um, I hope you understand that walking away uh, from this. Um, and so, so one day we're driving by, uh, we're driving like jaws dropped open by this beautiful neighborhood with these incredible houses. Um, and we're just like, oh, look at the way that the roof is sloped over the, you know, round window. And like, oh, like see the, how the hedge, they cut it like this. And the color of the door, did you see the door handle was, uh, you know what I mean? Like that's like, we get, we get weird about it. And, uh, and, 
I would one day, and I'm sitting there thinking this, me and Amanda are talking about this, like, I would one day love to have a house like this, like a specifically beautiful house, right? And I don't particularly deal with like the, uh, to me, it's not like, well, I want like a status kind of thing. That doesn't really care for me. Like I just, I, like I, I truly appreciate, I believe, those kinds of things. And it's something that I think that I would appreciate appropriately, that I would like be honoring with if I were gifted and blessed with something like that. Does everyone feel good now? Did I, did I qualify everything well enough? <laughs> Um, and as we're sitting there driving through this neighborhood and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I just, I, I want God to bless me with this. And Amanda goes, write a best-selling book. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> like, I'm hoping God will bless me with this. It was like in that, in that moment, I don't know exactly what was happening spiritually or not, but I very distinctly thought like, I really want this, and I think it's a good thing to have, and God does bless people with this, I think, and it's from God, and I think other people can abuse it, all that kind of stuff, but I really want this, and I think I would appreciate it, but I don't know if God's going to have that for me in this life. Maybe he will, but in that moment, I thought, as much as this is a desire of mine, that if I wanted to, I could set my sights on achieving something like that and grind and grind and grind until I achieve something like that and make my life path so that I have opportunities like that. But in that moment, it was like, I just don't know if you have something like, like that for me. And guess what? It saddens me because I would love that. I, did, I, I don't know. And I didn't know in that moment going, God, there are desires I have that I want to be blessed with. I'm just being real with you guys, right? These are the kinds of things we think about. There are desires that I have that I want, but I don't know if that's just what God has for me in this life. But then what I reflected on is on the future that I know that God has for me. I don't know what my future is in my lifespan, whatever that may be but I know what the eternal future is that God has set out for me. See, in Romans 8, uh, the verse we read earlier, it says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. That's a future promise. God's going to work everything together for the good. And so as I'm thinking about this, this is all what's flashing to my mind as I'm driving through the car, driving in the car. I did hit a mailbox on the way, you know, thinking about this, but, and I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I think of, the future hope of such incredible beauty and satisfaction that God has for me that so diminished the potential lack of hope I was experiencing in that moment. And in Revelation 21, there is a, a poetic, if not a literal, reflection of what our eternal hope is going to be as it outlines a vision that God gave someone about the new heavens and the new earth. When Jesus comes back, he's going to recreate a physical world, but that exists perfectly with the spiritual domain and loving rule of God, where we will exist eternally and be able to enjoy the Edenic, something like Eden, the beauty that was found there, but we'll be able to experience that for eternity. And I thought of this beautiful vision that I know that, I, that we have as believers. And it says in Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God and they will be my children. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel. Like a jasper, clear as crystal, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square as long as it was wide. The city was made of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does, not, who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. As I'm thinking, I don't know exactly, God, what blessings you have for me in this life. But I know whatever unsatisfied desires that I have here, that you will satisfy them for eternity. And it was like, I'm always gonna probably want something beautiful like whatever that thing is. But I know that you might be calling me away from something towards that, and that's fine because I know that this life will look like a mere dot compared to the eternal bliss that you have for us. And so where our desires are, are unsatisfied here, God will eternally satisfy them. I love real briefly this passage from a, my favorite novel called Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. The main character is an old minister approaching death and he, uh, he's talking about him and his friend, Bowton, contemplating the hope that awaits them. And he says, Bowton says he has more ideas about heaven every day. He says, Mainly, I just think about the splendors of the world and multiply by two. I'd multiply by 10 or 12 if I had the energy, but two is much more than sufficient for my purposes. So he's just sitting there multiplying the feel of the wind by two, multiplying the smell of the grass by two. Imagine the splendors of the beauty of the blessings of God that we experience now and multiply them further than you can possibly imagine. That's what we have. The satisfaction that we have for eternity will overwhelm some of our dissatisfactions today. And in another vein, I also think that God will eternally purify and satisfy our unmet desires for bad things. 
All right, so we talked about earlier how there can be good things that we ask for that it's just kind of, it's not in the will of God for us right now because he knows what we need, right? But then there are also the bad things, the covetousness things that we might ask for that I believe that God will purify and then meet in a way to where we can trust and be confident in God that where we may be struggling with temptations or wrong thoughts or bad things in our lives, that we can know that God will make those things right in our hearts and in our minds, and then those will be satisfied. He'll turn our lust today that we may never be able to get over because we're messed up people and we'll pray and we'll grow and we'll be committed and we'll try and change and we'll try and be more like God. But I know that eternally that he will change my lust into love and satisfy it eternally. That I'll change my unrighteous anger to a righteous sense of the justice of God in this world and satisfy that eternally. He'll take the brokenness of our covetousness and make himself first in our lives so that we're glorifying the eternally satisfying being for all time. Where you sit in your life and you go, there's something that I'm struggling with that I know might be a bad desire of pride or whatever the different myriad things can be. You have the hope of saying, well, I have this desire and and it's eating away at me, therefore I have to fulfill it. No. Allow God to transform you right now and then to purify you, as scripture says, by fire. Like fire can purify things. And scripture talks about how at the end of the time, yeah, we're still gonna be a little bit messed up. But God will subject us to his loving purification so that we will be made right and then he will meet those perverted desires, those wrong desires that we have right now and satisfy them for eternity. So my hope for all of us today is that one, we'll continue to pray for the blessings of God in our lives. That we will ask, 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 ask God for those things that we believe we desire and ask God to make those right, to make those according to his will, to conform our desires, but to also understand when there are certain things that are not bad that we ask for, that God knows what's best for you and that God might direct you a different path than you ever imagined but you're headed to the eternal glory that you know is there for you. Hold on with hope. Trust God now and believe that he'll make everything right in the end.